Welcome to the Money Grows on Trees podcast. I'm Damien Medici, the Melbourne Broker. A podcast that's changing communication and education around all things money, mindset, and motivation. Money doesn't grow on trees. Well, we're here to tell you that it does and show you how. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Money Grows on Trees podcast. Also, welcome, Damien. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Good to be back. Hello, Isha. You forgot to introduce yourself. I know. You are the wonderful Isha. I am the co-host. So. Good to have you back, everyone. Today, we're going to be speaking about a topic or more of a real-life story that's happened this week, Mm. and it's how Instagram saved one of Damien's clients $40,000. Huge amount, isn't it? Huge. Um, full disclosure, Instagram has never saved me any money. <laughs> if anything, it has cost me because all I do is see things that I want to buy. You're forever shopping on Instagram. Yeah. Or window shopping. Sometimes I don't, you know, you add to cart and then you don't follow through because you get a bit Have scared. you been hiding things that arrive at our house? I don't need to hide. <laughs> I work from <laughs> because home Because I feel like <laughs> things just pop up here and there. Recycling bins always full. <laughs> so I'm always filling it up and now I know what ASOS is and Farfetch and all this stuff. Anyway, Instagram does work and it saves people money. So today's story is, I'll let you tell it. Yeah, so today's uh, today's story essentially evolved over, I'm going to say around about five, four months, four to five months. So uh, it's the, the outcome is that my client, I managed to save my client $40,000. Now, I'm going to get to the backstory of how this started and then lead up so you can all understand the journey. And then we'll talk about some key learnings out of mm-hmm. the whole event. So I had a client reach out to me via Instagram and said, look, me and my husband are looking to buy. Um, you know, we've been following you on Instagram for a little bit. We'd love to have a chat. So we set up a Zoom meeting. I think it may have been in December, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, we set up a Zoom meeting and then the meeting went really well and I recommended that they should sell their investment property if they did want to up because they were looking to upgrade their home for their family. They had an investment property property, and I said to them, look, I think it's a good idea to sell that because if you keep it, you're not going to be able to really borrow as much as you'd like on the new home mm-hmm. and we know the way the market's potentially going to go. So they had a discussion, they made the decision to put that property on the market and then they sold it. So what that allowed them to do as well was have a lot of funds to use towards the new new home. So we um, talked them through that journey and what that looked like and then we got them a pre-approval to buy and then they were actively looking to um, to find their home. They looked at a few and and part of what we do is we do a lot of property reports for our clients. So once they're pre-approved, you know, they might be looking at homes that they don't know really a lot about. They, they will see it and they will see the property online, but do they have any back-end information on it? Yeah. So we've got the ability to give them a property report, which helps them uh, know recent sales, helps them understand the property a bit more, the surrounding suburb, uh, properties in that suburb what, what, which have sold similar to that mm-hmm. so they can gauge a really good understanding of what they think it's worth. Yeah. Now, we all know the way the market is at the moment. So, you know, there's price guides that are put on a property that are generally exceeding that once they sell. 
So as an example, you might see a property that's advertised. We've seen it, one to 1.1 million, and then it sells for two and a half. Yeah. And you're like, how did that happen? So that Which is know, really hard for a buyer. You know and what? even in the market though as well. It's confusing because they don't know. So I'm getting to the point now, and, and I'll and I'll get back on track with the story, but I'm getting to the point now where, you know, you, let's say my client's got a budget of a million. I'm saying look between eight to 900. Mm. So that way you've got that extra room to go yeah, if you need to. Yeah, because it's going to go there anyway. So, and I'll talk about the key learnings out of that through what we've learned through the um the price guide. So eventually they, they found a property and they said, Damien, we love this home. There was two. So they'd seen one that they'd really loved. They're like, we love this property. Mm-hmm. And then they called me a week later and were like, we love this one too. Ooh, competition. <laughs> Unlike competition between your own property you want to buy. But that's good. Yeah, it is. So I looked at the homes. I did a property report and we're talking and um, they decided to proceed with this one that they secured yesterday. Now, they it was scheduled for auction next week and they been a bit of interest in the home, they approached the agent directly and said, hey, we want to buy this before auction. The agent said, look, we're open to offers, but you would need to spend, um, you need to be around, because they were advertising it, the top end of the range was was one, 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 nine. So $1,190,000. Mm-hmm. So it was one million to $1,190,000. The agent openly said, you probably need to offer 1.35 to take it before auction. See, that's crazy. Yeah. That is such a jump yeah. in the price range. Because they, but. And knowingly saying, hey, you're not going to get it until you spend an extra. Work. Yeah. And, you know, for, for privacy purposes, we're not going to disclose who the agent was. We're not going to disclose the property address. We're just going to explain this situation. And essentially what happened was they rang me and said, Damien, this agent's asking for this, and I'm like, God, that's a huge amount. I did some research, and I said, look, the property's probably worth 1.3. So we already know that they're underquoting the property. Yeah. All right? So that's not a problem. So don't be – so I'm like, don't worry about the quote range because that kind of means nothing, mm-hmm. really. In the scheme of it, it doesn't mean anything. We now know that we're looking, um, you know, to essentially buy this property. What's it really worth to you? And the agent – to his credit, had said, well, look, the owners want to go to auction. Unless you're going to give them an amazing offer that just makes them think, you know what, because we can see the way the property market here in is in Melbourne at the moment is crazy. It's hot, yeah. which I think it's slowing down as well because more properties are coming on. So the, the agent spoke to the vendor and the vendor who the vendor, if anyone doesn't know what a vendor is, a vendor is the person who's selling the home. Mm-hmm. So that's the owner of the home in in real estate terms, they're known as the vendor. So the vendor was like, it's got to be an amazing offer for me to stop the auction and just, which I can fully understand. Of course, yeah. Like I can appreciate that. And I said that to the agent. I said, look, I completely understand that. I can appreciate it. So we went back and forth and I said to the client, I said, listen, can I just negotiate this for you? Can I remove you from it and I deal with the client directly? So they engaged in me as a buyer's advocate. Okay, now that's not what I do, but I wanted to help these clients buy this property, and I wanted them to remove the emotion out of yeah. out of it because the moment an agent knows that someone's extremely keen and they're nervous and they want it, and they can probably get more money out of them. 
So our it's client- so, And it's so hard to remove emotion yourself. If you genuinely want a house, then just say you've been looking for a year and yep. you're like, oh my God, I found it. <laughs> you're running around in circles. That's why when we buy, you don't I talk, know. Okay? I'm just not gonna Let me do this. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I said, look, can I, look, I'm not going to charge you for this. I just want to help you get this property. Uh, I'm going to negotiate for you and I'm going to speak to the agent directly. And they said, look, Damien, we trust you. No problems. So they engaged in me as a buyer's advocate. I called the agent. Mind you, they were happy. The clients were happy to pay 1.35. Mm. Now, I negotiated with a client. I said, look, you've put an offer of 1.3. Just leave it to me now. Let's just keep that there. And I'll be speaking to the agent. So I called the agent. We were speaking. We were going back and forth. And I, I sort of just, the way I negotiated was different to the way they would have. So I contacted the agent. I just introduced myself and said, hey, look, I didn't even give him an list. Look, this is where they're at. Um, you know, just contact me directly for all communication moving forward. And he was quite good. He was actually okay to deal with, to be fair. And essentially what happened was I said, look, they're really firm at 1.3. Um, that's that's where they see value, you know, to, to, to go and pay more. They're not in a position to do that. They're happy to wait to auction next week. Yeah. So, look, obviously let your owner know that's where it's at. And he's, he said, look, come back to you, but nothing's going to change. That's kind of what I told your clients as well. I said, okay, no problem. So I let it go for I let it go for two days. So then after the two days, um, I contacted the agent because I knew they had, a, they had an open. I said, hey, listen, I've just – I've just spoke to my client again. Um, we're happy to go a little bit more, but this would be our best offer before we would go and just wait for the auction next week. Mm. We'd be happy to go an extra 10K. So 1.310, and that's our best and final offer. And he said, look, I don't think they're going to go for it. I said, listen, just sit down with your vendor, have a chat to them and say this is – because there's another, there is generally another property that's coming on the market that's going to auction. There's another – there's a number of properties that are coming on the market as well. So the vendor needs to know now that there's some competition. The, there's there's competition, but the supply is starting to increase. Yeah. So the only reason the prices have jumped so much right now is because, you know, there's very low supply. So the demand is higher. It's yeah. exceeding that. So it's just going through the roof. I think agents are starting to know that now and vendors are starting to know that. So there was greed. There was like, we want to get as much as we can. Because this spike through the property market has just gone really, it's happened real quick. Mm. But it's also, I think it's plateauing sooner than what people, because you can always foresee it. I think it's plateauing sooner than what people think. It's stabilizing. <sighs> yes. So we went to them with the best and final offer of 1.310. Um, he then came back to me on Friday, which was, uh, this is this podcast coming out next week. So it was the Friday that just passed. And, you know, I, and I didn't see the difference was I didn't continually hassle him. I didn't ask him where it was at. I just put it there and said, let me go. And it was 24 hours. I didn't hear from him. And yeah. normally if you were the client, you'd be like ringing, be like any day. Yeah, you'd be stressing. Any the big, you'd be texting the agent, any updates, where's it at? And they, they accepted our offer. And you would know that you can probably potentially get more for your vendor, which mm. is the agent's job anyway. He rang me and said, look, Damien, they've accepted the 1.310. However, I need to do the right thing and send a message out to everybody that's come through that there's been an acceptable offer. And if no other offers proceeded, then by 5 p.m. on Saturday, it's it's done and the deal's sold, property sold. Before auction. Before auction. Um, so 
that called me on, he called me on, and my clients are just really stressed. I'm like, don't stress. I'm like, you got 24 hours. We're doing countdowns, basically. I mean, you saw it. I'm like, 12 oh, hours ago. I was involved. I was stressing. <laughs> you were so happy when I told the clients. I know. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they got the property, and the clients were just over the moon, yeah. like so happy. And it was just a really good outcome for everyone involved, mm-hmm. even including myself. Like, I just really enjoyed helping them get that. And essentially, had it not have been for Instagram and them reaching out to me, we never would have met. I don't think we ever would have met. Um, and I don't think they would have saved 40 grand because they probably would have went to auction and paid 1.35. Probably could have got 1.4 at auction. Who even knows? Yeah. But I think my clients um, did really, really well by engaging in us and just removing the emotion from it all. So... That is the story of how I saved the client $40,000 and Instagram was a huge part of that. Yeah. So social media works, people who have a small business or a large business or any sort of business. It does. It really does. Social media is something that you need to continually attack. So you need to be cons- you need to be consistent with it. You cannot just put one post up and hope that, you're going to get four people call you. Mm. Um, one of my big rules is, and, and I'm still building through social media, you know, we've got, you know, we don't have a, a massive amount of, of followers, but the ones that we do I feel are really genuine and, and we've got maybe just under 1,500. Yeah. So I'm not fussed. Like I don't care about the amount of followers we've got because I know the ones we do take a genuine interest. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably getting 30% of my business now from Instagram. Which is massive. Yeah. And I think even for a like a client, that's amazing that you can, you know, you don't just have to go to your local broker. You don't just have to go to, you know, a massive brokering company that yeah. everyone's heard of that you just sort of feel like you have to. You can do your own research and you can go on. So like I, yeah. do, I do it for other businesses and um, I think it's amazing. Everyone has more choice and options. Yeah. And, you know, I made a decision with my marketing manager three three years two years ago 2018 2019 we rebranded yeah we rebranded and i said to her i said i want to start to really be known as a social broker and what i mean by that is i want to put out as much content as i can i want to do it better than anyone else yeah and the way i look at it i'm still building i, I look like I, to me i feel like i've just started this business and mm. started the socials so it's only taking it's only taking a bit of momentum now, and this is two years in. Mm. Most people would give up after a few months. So my advice to people, and what I've learned out of this, number one, is social media does work, but you need to be consistent with it, and you need to enjoy what you do. Yeah, because if you're not putting out constant messages and you're not monitoring, you know what people like and the feedback that people want, then you know you've kind of going to drop off because you don't have a genuine interesting continuing to put posts out which you do and that's shown in this story you know mm. you've saved the client forty thousand. you could have just said oh hey they want to spend one point you, well first of all you didn't even need to engage the agent you could that's have right said, oh if you get it cool i'll do your loan you and know, that's like, right and at the end of it all i'm do doing that. i'm doing their loan for them yeah like you know i've provided them with a loan a loan that's great for them but i've helped them so much in that whereas you know, you've got to go above and beyond nowadays. You've got mm. to be able to, like, and what I say to a lot of people is, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I know I've got so much intel 
and I know so much, like it'd be unfair for me to not tell you what I know. Like, yeah. so, and that's, that's so what, and I get back to social media. I try and put what I know out to social media so people can feel like they've got a place to go to and know, okay, well, we trust this person. So if anybody who's got your, if you've got your own business, just give as much free information as you can. You don't need to charge people for this because it will come back. Yeah, share your knowledge. There's a really good book by Gary Vaynerchuk. He's extremely, he's a lot of, he's a lot of where I base my uh, direction or my motivation on social media. See, you're looking up Gary V. He's probably got 8 million followers. I've been following him for a really long time. He's got a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook. So what he, what and what that book is, is give, 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 like give as much and then ask. A lot of people nowadays will um, ask a business straight off. Like, you know, okay, I'll give you an example. We start, a, start an Instagram page. Hey, if you need a homeland, reach out to us. Why would I reach out to you? Yeah. What value have you provided me? Mm. Just asking for my business. Why would I do that? Yeah. Whereas me, I'm just giving and giving as much information as I can because I want to, because there's not enough research out there. Yeah. And I'm getting it back now, which is two years, more than two years. Yeah. So that's what I learned, number one. What else did you learn? Number two. Number two. Um, in Australia, in Victoria, there is a lot of real estate agents. There is not a lot of buyer's advocates. So what a buyer's advocate does is essentially what I just did, but more. They do a lot more than that. They will help you find a property. Mm -hmm. They will help you find properties that are not on the market. They were off-market deals. Their job is basically to act as an agent to help you find a home. They will negotiate similar to what I did. That was only a small piece of what buyer's advocates do. Mm. So. Um, some of them will just come in and negotiate when you found a property, which is probably like what I'm thinking of maybe introducing into my business. Yeah. Is when you found a property, if you want us to engage, we'll help you with that. But I just think the need for buyers advocates is more and more imperative. And I do believe that it's starting to become more and more a thing of what people are accepting. Yeah. And knowing that they need to pay a fee for this because it, it is a such a great fee. Like I would pay it. If I wasn't in the know, I would definitely pay a buyer's advocate. If I'm looking to buy for one to two mil or anything above that, why wouldn't I? People or even are, below. If you don't know the market and what's out there and you're just relying on agents who will tell you whatever yeah. they want to. And it can be affordable. Some some buyer's advocates might charge a flat fee of a few thousand dollars. You know, if you're a first-home buyer looking to get in and you find it really hard in a market where, I mean, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you engage in that service? Yeah. You know, you've got to have the money to do it, so not everybody can afford it. However, I just think it's a really good service. So I learned that buyer's advocacy is an extremely um, effective way for you to help you buy a property mm -hmm. and more and more people need to know about it. So I'm kind of giving the big thumbs up to buyer's advocates. Yeah. Um, and me personally, I'm, you know, I'm meeting with, I'm meeting with one next week Um I feel like I'm going to introduce them into my business because so, I can't continually do what I did. I enjoyed that. But as my business grows and grows, you know, I will need to do other things and I will need to work with buyers advocates so they can take care of that side of things. Yeah. And I'll still be involved in the property purchase. So, Which that comes back to business. You know, if you see an opportunity and an area of improvement, you take it. Mm, definitely. Branch out. 
Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. A bit on the spot. <laughs> you've been involved in, you've seen what's happened over the last two weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks, maybe a week, two weeks. Let's say two weeks. Is there anything that you noticed? Like, is there anything that you picked up on um, as an outsider, seeing me involved in the business and speaking to these clients and, you know, the negotiation? Is there anything that you learned from that, do you think? I mean, I compared it to my previous experience with brokers and I never got that. I mean, yeah. I got a really good relationship with my pr- former broker um, and this is two brokers ago. So two brokers ago. That's <laughs> like, a good one. No, I've, had gonna... a, I've had a couple. <laughs> um, but again, like that comes back to if one's not working for you, you branch out, you do, you know, you do your research and you look at options. Yeah. But I see that and think, wow, there's – you know, I could get such a better service. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm with you and I'm involved in this situation. But had yeah. I not known and now I could share that knowledge, like if you're not happy with a service or if you think there could be more or, you know, if you're unsure of how to purchase a property and you need that little bit more assistance or whatever, reach out. Find yeah. someone else who can help. Yeah. And um, Sam White, who's the CEO of the Chairman of Loan Market, actually said this recently. He said... More and more, so we 60% of loans are done through mortgage brokers now, and that's been increasing up and up and up. Now, he came out and said that he believes that it's going to increase. He will go to eventually go to 80%, I believe, because but people don't go to the banks directly anymore. It's going to be a thing of the past, but now it's going to be, well, which broker will I use? Yeah. So, and again, I'm, gonna, I'm taking this away a little bit from brokers, I'm talking about business in general now. If you're in your field and you're in a small business, what are you doing differently to your competition? Mm. How are you providing value-added services to your customers? Yeah. Because no matter what happens and what I've noticed out of Instagram and social digitals and the way everything is evolving around tech these days, there's still one thing that hasn't changed and that's people like to feel like they're getting the best service and they like to feel like they've made a really good decision in who they're using. 100%. So whether you're a hairdresser or whether you have a clothing store or whether you're a mortgage broker or whether you're a real estate agent. Yeah. It's, you know, end of the day, you want to work with people who give a shit. Exactly. And sorry, that's a bit. But it's true. But even a hairdresser comment. I remember seeing my hairdresser out out at a cafe this a little while ago. And she said, you know, I'm really loving that colour we did on you. The cut's working well. We'll do this next time. And I'm like, you're so invested in my hair and I love yeah. it. I will never leave you. <laughs> like, so it's that it's that assurance and literally working or work, you know, having a service from whatever provider mm. that adds value and that actually genuinely cares because if they don't, go elsewhere. There's yeah. so many, we have so many options in with everything. And similar to our last podcast that we did on the um side hustle, you know, if you care about what you're doing, eventually it will show. Yeah. So how I started this is I knew what I wanted to eventually do, but it's because I care and I love I love property. I love being involved in helping people. So that generally shows. So there'll be more there'll be more and more stories that will come of that. So um I think that's a wrap on that story. So it was a really good outcome. Um, probably one of my favourite ones this year, to be honest. Um, Something else that I did learn, I'm mm-hmm. just still thinking about that question, is take, like you said before, taking the emotion out 
and allowing maybe someone else to negotiate on your behalf is massive. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a number of ways you can do that. You know, it could, if you cannot afford a buyer's advocate, ask your broker. Mm. And if your broker's not kind, well, ask a family member. Exactly. So, you know, um, there's so many people that can, it's just, I think it's a really good way to buy property. You remove the emotion out of it and you don't be as in, as invested. Obviously, you want the home. So the yeah. outcome is still the same for everybody involved and they need to know that as well. Um, but, yeah, definitely removing the, the emotion is um, is a huge thing. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, as always, the information provided on this is general in nature and is not to be used for your individual circumstances. It is provided for educational services only. Thank you for listening, Isha. Thank Thanks, you. guys. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. See you guys. Goodbye. Bye.